Yo, this is It's Murr, and you're listening to Tin Pod Radio. You can find me at It's Murr on Instagram and Patreon and Ko-fi. Welcome to Shortlisted, the podcast where we take a top 10 list from the internet and talk about it for 60 minutes. We just set a timer, talk for an hour, and then shut up whether or not we've made it through the list. We're not exactly racing the clock, we're just shortlisting the facts. Our topic for our first 2018 episode is the top 16 places you are not allowed to visit on earth which i think is a funny distinction because i don't know i guess there aren't any places on other planets you're not allowed to visit but um (laughs) kind of a moot point all right so in the world that we live in it's no surprise there are certain places that we we the people are not allowed to visit What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of restricted places? Area 51, right? Surprise, surprise, it didn't even make the list. Mm -hmm. So here we go. And this is at awarenessact.com. All right, number one, the Situation Room. You've probably heard stories of the Situation Room, the room where the president and his advisors gather together to discuss life or death situations. This room can be found 50 feet below the West Wing, and only the president and his advisors are allowed in. You always see that room and you think it's something special, but if you look at pictures, it looks like just a conference room. (laughs) Right, and that's its actual name, right? It's like the, shoot, I forget which president it was, but it's just, it's the so-and-so conference room is all it's actually called. Yeah, because, like, I know now a lot of people think they go in there to watch, like, military operations, which they have shown that they have now with technology, but they didn't (laughs) used to do that there. They would always go to, uh, I think there's a different place in the White House where they can actually look at stuff like that. Right. Well, and not only does this just look like a conference room, but it also looks like a super, super crowded conference room. (laughs) Oh, it does. Every time they show it, it looks like they cram, like, 40 people into a 10-people room. (laughs) Right. You would think that at the White House, they could come up with a space. I think it's because, like, a lot of the times when you see pictures of it, they, they're doing a photo op, too. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. So they want to get, like, oh, everybody who's important is going to be in this picture. Right. So no one's allowed in except when there's a camera. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to the White House? Um, I have been to the White House because living out here, that was, like, every third year that was the field trip was to go to D.C., and mostly we went to the Smithsonian's. Um, I have not toured the White House, though. I haven't been to it. I've been outside of it. Like, right. Before right. they put up the barriers and all that stuff, you, like, you used to be able to drive right by the gate. Right. And I remember, like, going there and driving by it and stuff like that before they put the barriers up, and I think you can only walk by it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or apparently have a parade in front of it, right? Isn't that the, the new plan? To have a big military parade right outside the White House. Sounds like a great plan. That would be a bad place to have it because it's just like a small, actually, part of a street. Well, yes, but the person who has requested it (laughs) does not have a a reputation for brains. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, on this list, I guess my question for you is, which of these places do you, would you want to go? Would this be one that you, if you could go, would you... Like, have any desire to? I, like, with this list, probably with me, yeah, because I like exploring and doing stuff, I'd like, be like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind going to most of them. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see like the Situation Room and stuff like that because it's almost like yeah, it's kind of like a boring conference room or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I find it fascinating. Like down here where I live in Florida, I go to Kennedy Space Center and they have the actual former uh, uh, NASA launch. Uh, mm-hmm. like places they took the whole room and moved it basically from like back in the uh, uh, moon landing days and stuff so it's right. not even functional but it's so cool just to see that stuff and stuff like that i mean if i went to the white house i wouldn't mind seeing all the bedrooms and stuff i think it would be cool too <laughs> yeah i will see and i think i'd be more interested in that than maybe the situation room it'd be neat to say oh well i've been there but i have a feeling that it's actually pretty dull like it's it's conference room <laughs> It's yeah. not, you know. I think so. it'd be more interesting, like you said, even to see, like, the the bedrooms and stuff also because, like, right. we watched a documentary a couple of nights ago how one of the first ladies actually saved all the stuff when it when the White House was burned down, the time when it was burned oh, yeah. down. So, like, to see all that really old, the old paintings and the stuff that was changed through different, like, administrations and stuff, it would be cool. Yeah. No, I think, I think going through and looking at all of the, like, private areas would be far more interesting for me but but it would be cool to just be able to say I'm so important that <laughs> they totally let me in there it was cool <laughs> it's like I don't know if you ever watched the uh, well there's a couple of shows I think shows a lot of stuff to White House like West Wing does uh-huh. and like uh, Veep which is a show I like quite a bit like it shows it and I think it's interesting like the the doors that come in like in the Oval Office that don't look like doors yes yeah. yeah stuff like that i would find fascinating yes i agree yeah it'd be fun to get to stay a couple of days and just explore and i don't know be a guest with full access steal a towel or something uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all right next one vatican archives italy oh also so not on this particular one but when i was reading through this list i feel like uh, you sometimes pick things just so I have to figure out how to pronounce all the names. <laughs> <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> there were some names on this list that I was like, okay, I'm just going to let Google tell me what to do, and I'm still going to mess them up. But not in this one, luckily. Um, okay, so Vatican Archives. Owned by the Pope, the Vatican Archives are not necessarily secret, despite their name. No one can enter without the Pope's permission. It is said that the evidence of extraterrestrial life exists in the facilities, and nobody's quite sure of all that can be found amidst the 84 kilometers of shelving. It is often only, <clears throat> excuse me, it's often only been carefully screened researchers and journalists who have been granted access to this underground reserve. I've always found the Vatican archives to be, like, really interesting. I mean, I've put them in probably several stories I've written. And, stuff. like, the fascinating thing is, like, beyond conspiracies, there's works of art in there that they won't let anybody see. There's, like, oh, fir- yeah, first editions of books in there they won't let anybody have, like, a look at and stuff like that. Old editions of Bibles and other religious texts in there that they won't <laughs> let anybody look at. So just on that grounds alone... That's a fascinating place. Right. So, um, do you ever read any of Dan Brown? I read his the, the, the first of the Da Vinci Code books, and I've seen mm-hmm. the first two movies. Mm-hmm. I, that's like one of my guilty pleasure reads because I know it's bad. And actually, the last one that I, list, I read, I listened to on Audible. Um, and it's, they're not 
as well written as I would hope, but I feel like the stories are pretty well crafted and they're very interesting, like very easy to get into. But that's what this one reminded me of was just like, oh, I bet, you know, they would let Langdon down there. To, <laughs> to see well, everything. Doesn't he go? He goes in the second one, doesn't he? I think he does. Yeah. Is that the one where he's saving all the Cardinals? The second one's the one where it's like uh, they get the I don't, I don't know if it's the God particle or whatever. It's like a nuclear device and they're gonna blow up. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, from the hadron collider, I guess, or what it was. Right right. Yeah, but like I mean that the whole Vatican place is like just really interesting. That it's actually a small country, but mm-hmm. it's actually one of the richest countries in the world. <laughs> right. And the fact that it, like all the history it's kept there and stuff, because like I say like. It's known for a fact, and they admit some of the stuff that's in there, and it's like, why won't you let people see some of this stuff? Right. Like, it's just interesting then, and then that leads to all the conspiracy theories about, oh, they have proof of, that there's proof that there's no God there, or there's proof that there is God there, or there's proof that there's aliens there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it would be really, really interesting to go, I, um... I'm sure that some of those things, I mean, you couldn't let the general public down there just because you have to preserve it. Like, they're mm-hmm. valuable, one-of-a-kind texts and pieces of art and all of that. Um, but Plus, I just feel like organized religion kind of likes conspiracy theories. So. <laughs> yeah, it helps. <laughs> but, like, those kind of archives are just very interesting anyways. Like, going to those type, uh, I forgot what it's called. I mean, uh, my girlfriend would know if she's a librarian, but, <laughs> but it's those folder, like, they have these really glass display things, and they actually collapse, so that you can pull them out to where they're, like, let's say, a room full, mm-hmm. but then you push them together, and they, they don't take up much room at all, but they're for oh. holding, like, in glass like uh parchments and stuff like that right right which is just cool to me (laughs) yeah absolutely well and like you were saying they definitely have the money to to preserve all of this and take care of it the way it needs to be cared for so that's good and there's all that nazi gold down there yes absolutely (laughs) all right well the next one is club 33 which is in the United States. I was actually kind of surprised how many of these were in the United States. Like, certainly not all of them, and they do sort of span the globe. But there are, there are several that are here. Um, so Club 33, which I think this was, well, so far all of them have been things that I was familiar with. But this one was one that um, I guess maybe I'd been reading about recently. But uh, originally a small restaurant that was one of the first buildings to be constructed in Disneyland, smack dab in the middle of New Orleans Square. While its blue front door facade looks like every other entrance to the theme park, this one soon became home to a secret club commissioned by Walt Disney himself, who used it for years to entertain foreign dignitaries, celebrities, and high-class hookers. There is a secret panel in the doorway that covers a buzzer, which those who have access to use to gain entry into the club. It has been rumored to host sex parties, the Illuminati meetings, and was recently opened to the public with an offer of membership to the first 100 people who applied. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I had read, like, the, the membership fee for those people that they just let in was, like, just exorbitant. Yeah, Disney has some, like, very weird things about some of their parks and stuff. Like, they have buildings that have, like, 
Well, even like the Princess Castle, like it has a room in it, but it, it, you can't stay in it unless it's like certain things. Like every so often, they'll let somebody for charity stay in it, or if you want to pay yeah. like a million dollars or whatever to stay in it, you can. But they also have like a lot of passages, and they use them for transporting celebrities, of course, and stuff like that underneath mm-hmm. all their places. But they also have like private restaurants under some of their stuff and private meeting places i mean walt disney's head's supposed to be underneath in one of those things right right <laughs> frozen and ready to be reanimated as soon yeah. as the technology catches up yeah because <laughs> what because what we really need is walt disney he'll save the world yes well you know <laughs> we don't want to turn this into a political podcast <laughs> <laughs> So I like that, um, you know, Illuminati and hookers are on this list of of rumors. Probably like a modern day Hellfire Club. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, that one, that one is pretty cool. So um, did you look this one up in any detail? No, I mean, I knew a little bit about this because I, actually there's a couple of different, at different times they've had a couple of different clubs like that at Disney places. And I know right. that they've shut them down before and they reopened a different one when they've had issues with them and stuff. There supposedly was one getting kind of adult here, but there, there's actually one that was supposedly for the Milky, Milky, <laughs> Mickey Mouse Club that was supposed to be like adults watching the kids and stuff too. That's Ooh. one of the big rumors that they had for years about like the Mickey Mouse Club and all that other stuff. So. Disney has a lot of things about it. I think it may be because also Disney is looked as being this like pure thing. Yeah. So people then look for really bad things about it too. Right, right. And it's just a mix. But So I guess my question was, is there a Club 33 or similar venue at all of the Disney theme parks? There is something similar at all of them. I think- at all I think down here in Florida, the one has two of them, if I ain't mistaken. And Disney also owns so much, well, they, uh, like in California and down here, they bought so much land at different times. They had to buy land under different names because they were buying up so much. But at their different parks and stuff, it said they have similar clubs and places. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That is one that I also would like to do. I, I mean, so far my list consists of the Vatican Archives and the Disney Secret Clubs. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be a fun one to just to go in and see what it's all about. I feel like the service in there would be really great. Well, anytime you can do something, like it's like when you go underground or, or even the behind the stage thing. When you get to go behind a mm-hmm. stage and that's not a normal thing for you, it's always going to seem really cool and interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, ready for the next one? Yep. Cheyenne Mountain Complex, again in the United States. Um, the Cheyenne Mountain Complex is a military installation and nuclear bunker in Colorado located at the Cheyenne Mountain Air Force Station. It houses, or has at one time housed, the United Space Command. United States Space Command, those two words are really hard to say next to each other, <laughs> the Aerospace Defense Command, the Air Force Command, and the Federal Emergency Management System. The complex is a fascinating web of buildings built 610 meters under granite that are protected from natural disasters. It boasts flexible piping systems and has its own power plant and water supply. Oh, and it can withstand a 30 megaton nuclear explosion, bombs, and radiological contaminants. 
So um, I would just like to be allowed to go here should uh, we ever need it. <laughs> I'm fairly certain I'm not on that list, but well, most to- pol- most politicians aren't on that list. <laughs> well, I mean, most politicians shouldn't be on that list. <laughs> no. Do they even still use the Cheyenne thing? Um, I I don't know. Cause I know like um, and I'm blanking on the uh, the strategic. See, this is why you talk about the big words, not me. The st- strategic. <laughs> well, I'm stumbling over tonight too. <laughs> the strategic command center, I think, yeah. is what used to be at Cheyenne. I think they maybe moved that to somewhere else now. I don't know for sure, but I know like. There is a couple of these places where they got, like, this, I think. I, th- I don't think this is the only one because they're, they're afraid to give it. You know, it's almost indestructible, but if you hit it with, like, ten nuclear bombs, it's going <laughs> to still blow it up. Right. So, so, like, once this stuff becomes known, they probably move a lot of it somewhere else that's unknown for a while. Right, well, they have to at least have some kind of backup, I would think. I just think with that type place which it always reminds me of bond villains yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was thinking like independence day or something yeah like or war games yeah we need to evacuate everybody important <laughs> um i mean it looks like it's still functional from what i'm seeing online um i don't know if it's like actively in use let's see uh they did move norad and the united states space command away in like 2008 yeah that's what i was thinking of norad yeah so they they are not actively using it but it looks like everything there is still maintained and functional should there be some sort of emergency well i think it's the place isn't it they take the vice president to it's not even actually they take the president there isn't it they take the vice president there can we just leave them both (laughs) lines i don't think that we need to bother with that (laughs) i've always thought it's weird though like I think their procedure is actually the vice president gets sheltered while the president stays out to talk to the American people or something like that. I think it's the way they do it. Yeah. You would think it would be like you'd shelter your leader, your main leader, and keep somebody else out. But Right. But, I mean, it makes sense yeah, I mean, in a way because he's the one that's the more public figure and the one that people are going to be using him sort of as a litmus test to see how bad things are. Yeah. And then at least you have a backup. <laughs> also, whenever I think of that place, too, one of the biggest things is uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. I think of that and stuff like that, being like the NORAD where everybody's like, we're going to blow everybody up. And they just, you know, nonchalant, we're going to start a nuclear war. Right, right. Hmm. I don't know of any countries that just have total nonchalance about nuclear weapons. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this would be a cool place to visit, although I feel like it would be really intimidating, maybe even more so than any of the other ones that we've covered so far. I think it would be in a way. It depends on what it's like. Like, If you've ever been on a military base, like the first time you go on one, it's kind of intimidating because yeah. it's, such a di- it's almost like you're in a different country. Right. Yeah. Well, getting in is such a process, too. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what that would be like. Would it be just like going on a military base, or would it feel like, would you feel this weight of what it actually is there for? I feel like even if you weren't intended to feel the weight of it, I would. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, this is where the last people who are actually going to survive the nuclear holocaust are going to be. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think of stupid stuff while I was there. The same way I do, like, when I, I'm a person who overthinks everything. Like, when I, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. When I get on a plane, I think about all the bad things that can happen. Right. So I think I would get there and also be like, okay, where would you go if there was a, people broke in? And, like, where would you go to have your food? And where would you go over there? Right, right. Yeah, but while you were in there, you'd be, like, as safe as anyone could be, right? I- <laughs> Just as long as the bad things, like, happen while you're touring, then uh, you're good. Unless it turns out the bad people are in there with you. Well, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> you are doomed. There is no... Um, also, you could starve to death unless this next place is also safe. Oh, So now we are in Norway, which means we have a word I can't pronounce, which I think is... Svalbard, or perhaps Svalbard, I don't know. Um, But it is the Global Seed Vault, which is the coolest thing I have ever read about. Um, Then they turn it super, super dark, but that's cool. Imagine a post-apocalyptic world where all food sources were destroyed and famine began to set in. That's where the Svalbard Global Seed Vault comes in. Located in Norway, the seed vault contains thousands of seeds of every existing plant in the world. In the event of a catastrophe like this, the seeds would be dispersed, providing enough food to sustain the remaining population. Um, I doubt the claim that all the seeds in the whole world are here, but I think that it is absolutely fascinating and cool that we like that somebody is preparing this way. And sort of making a backup of all of our plants. Well, I mean, you have, they're not the only one that has one of these. I think there's one, what's what, one in China, and then uh, Utah has a similar one. Mm-hmm. Which Utah's, I think, is data and, like, seeds and stuff. I think they're doing both. Like, they're mm-hmm. trying to collect all the data in the world, basically, all the knowledge, plus, like, seeds and stuff. But um, We don't start over. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the whole seed thing can be kind of depressing to begin with because when you have stuff like heirloom seeds, which mm-hmm. which you have plants, I mean, like, you can no longer take a tomato, like certain tomatoes, and just take the seeds out and plant them. They won't work that way. Right. Because they're genetically made to not be fertile, like, for soil. They're, they want you to buy them again, or they want you to buy their heirlooms, and there's a copyright thing with certain seeds now, and, like, if you could think about it, these places might become, like, even more important in the future when you when you more and more things are hard to even get to grow right right yeah if we get to a point where there aren't big companies that are starting everything and growing everything but we have to yeah yeah. like if we can't even grow stuff in our backyard because they control the seeds and then you got these places that are basically the vaults for the seeds who controls these places then right yeah, no, that's true, um, which I guess it's good then that they are in lots of different places yeah, and yeah. in lots of different countries where they would have some different laws about businesses and corporations. And Well, that's the thing, like, when you think of, like, yeah, it's great that some one group is saying or multiple groups are saying, like, well, we're going to protect all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, but... Can we trust you alone to protect all this stuff? Right. Let's have lots of people protect it just in case. It's kind of like Google's motto. Google's motto has always been do no evil. 
but Google mm-hmm. hasn't always proved to their own model of do no evil. Well, no, they're still a giant corporation that makes tons of money. <laughs> Excuse me, but like uh, when they did the Google library a couple of years ago, when they were basically saying we're going to scan all books mm-hmm. and we're going to have them online, and then they weren't even getting the rights to books, and like, and they were putting them on there mm-hmm. because they were leaving off right. pa- pages, and they were saying like, well, we're not scanning the whole book. Mm-hmm. But they also, Google at the same time, filed a, a thing trying to copyright a what they called a total digital library. And it was basically saying that if we collect all some knowledge and book knowledge in the world, then we own it. Yeah, that's it, terrifying. <laughs> I mean, you won't, don't want stuff to disappear. You don't want plants and stuff to disappear. And you don't want like books that go out of print where we'll never see them again because that's happened enough in history but who mm-hmm. controls that is like terrifying in a lot of ways well right because it's got to be somebody who has the means to control it and so then you're not dealing with someone who's just in it for like the purity of maintaining this and keeping mm-hmm. the historical record and but i find it fascinating those places that do the seeds because like you're going to archive all seeds and stuff and it's like we got to be discover. I mean, I know we discover new animals all the time in different uh, variations oh. of animals still. We have to be discovering new kinds of plants, too, I would think. Right. And so when someone discovers something new, do they just, like, grab 50 seeds and send them off to all the different places? <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me think, like, do they have an alert that goes up, like a, a Google alert? <laughs> right. Absolutely, new, yeah. New seed found in West Virginia. We got to get that seed. <laughs> right. Quick, quick. Well, and what happens when they, like, genetically engineer a new seed? Yeah. Does that count? Or are they just saving, like, pure seeds? And I want to know how they're cataloged and how they're stored and how long they can last. Like, seeds are living things. They can't just last forever, right? I think, I mean, some of them don't because some of them go bad and you can't plant with them. But I I don't know if there's a way of preserving them. Or or maybe they keep them in in the thinking that then they could genetically create ones off that if they have that original. Oh, maybe. I don't, are we there with the, like, with plant cloning and stuff? We're basically basically there with with animal cloning. I mean, you could clone clone an animal. I mean, you're not going to clone a person. I mean, you're not going to clone their brain and their experiences. But as far as a body, body, you could do that. Right. But I don't know if you could with a plant. I I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they can genetically splice plants together and make new plants. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I would assume so. I mean, they're a whole lot simpler than an animal. So I would think, but it's just not one of those things that you ever, that I ever come across, I guess, because it's not as interesting and controversial for one thing. No, I mean, with some, I guess, like, it would fall under, like, uh, people's problems with genetically altered foods. Mm-hmm. But even those, like, people were like, I would never need a genetically altered food. And I'm like, you do all the time. Yeah, everything you eat, actually. Yeah. Little thing you eat. Orange carrot? Yep, nope, sorry, that was. (laughs) And even before we started doing it by technology, we were doing it by placement. Like when we started growing bananas that don't have seeds in them, or we started growing uh, plants in different areas where they shouldn't be grown, it changed them genetically to be grown in a different area, too. Right, right. Or, yeah. Or planting this variety because it's stronger and it can grow in, in more different environments or in harsher conditions or whatever. And then you take the strongest of that and you plant it again. Well, now you messed with the plant's genetics. That's how that works. 
Well, it's like I, w- I work in a kitchen. I'm a, I'm a chef, so like I get stuff all year round that you really shouldn't get all year round. Right. Like fruits and vegetables. And sure. if you look at like say strawberries, like sometimes you'll get big ones now, but you don't yeah. get the big strawberries that you used to get 30 years ago. And it's mm-hmm. because they start growing them and genetically modifying them to grow in so many different environments that they overall have changed and they don't right. grow as big as they used to. Right. And, yeah. and I think you, that is fascinating. And the, I mean, I can, I kind of get some of the arguments and concerns about it, but at the same time, like I don't, I don't like the ones that are resistant to pesticides and resistant to herbicides and that, that makes me a little bit nervous. But, but as far as arguments against anything that has been genetically modified, like that just doesn't hold water. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And like my whole thing is we just need to set up systems to monitor it. Yeah. And make sure it's done in the right way and make sure if there's issues that come up. I just don't want it done willy-nilly, but as far as doing it, yeah, it can provide food in areas that need food. It can help stuff grow better. It's not growing good and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like So, like, saying yes or no is not the way – it's not clear-cut like that. Right, right. It's not all or nothing. Anyway, all right, moving on. Room 39. Uh, and here's another one I had to look up, so let's see if I remember how to say it. So – Room 39 is said to be an area where nefarious crimes are committed, like drug manufacturing, counterfeiting of U.S. currency, and financial fraud. This place is located in the Workers' Party building in Pyongyang, the capital of North Korea. North Korea itself is in one or is one of the most highly restricted areas in the world, so it's obvious why this place is on the list. I find, I didn't even know about this before, and I read a lot of, like, conspiracy stuff and a lot of other stuff like that, and I never heard of this before this. <laughs> this. Yeah, I, no, I didn't either. This was not, not one that was on my radar. It makes sense, um, although it seems very strange. I don't know, I guess, I just figure since North Korea is pretty much off limits, like, why would you need to confine anything to one room? Yeah, that, uh, I mean... It's weird that they would have a room just for, like, counterfeiting stuff when they openly, like, make uh, knockoffs of everything there. Right. Like, they have knockoff cars of cars that are made in in the West. They have knockoff, like, they counterfeit all the, like, DVDs and all this other stuff there. And and it's right out in the open, too. Right. So, I I think it would be weird that they wouldn't just do that out in the open, Right. Well, and I... So looking at the description of this place, it makes me really question whether this is a real place, like an actual place, because there's a lot of things that they're claiming are going on in this part of a building, right? They've got uh, drug manufacturing, financial fraud, counterfeits, well, which also I feel like counterfeiting would fall under financial fraud, but those are not. I feel like both of those activities, if you're going to do them at any scale, would require some space. So I feel like they're not being done in the same area. Maybe it's an idea. Yeah, it makes me think maybe this was something that was like almost like a code name for maybe some of the stuff that they were doing. Right. And And it wasn't actually a room. And then people start saying, well, it's a room where this happens, this happens, and it's like, it's a secret room. And it's like, no, it's probably not. It's probably, they're doing this stuff in 8 billion different places, maybe. Right. And that's just sort of their, yeah. 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 It's got, I mean, it's got to be either that or it's just 
sort of a conspiracy theory itself. And, you know, people don't have any idea what it is or what goes on there. So they have decided that it must be the worst things they can think of. I mean, it's like Area 51, like Area 51, everybody right. thinks everything goes on there. Right. It, because it's a secret military base. And it's like, yeah, it's a secret military base. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all I, you need. I don't know if you ever seen the Penn and Teller show where they, they debunked a lot of stuff. No. But they went to Area 51 once, and they were talking to all the conspiracy theory people that were there. And he asked them, he's like, why do you think weird stuff is going on here? He's, and the guy was like, because... This secret military base won't tell us what's going on. He's like, so you think something bad's going on here because the secret place won't tell you what their secrets are. Right. Couldn't have anything to do with the fact that maybe we don't want to share our military secrets with, say, the whole world. But that Area 51 brought up something when I first learned about it when I was younger. I find it interesting, and that's the secret base thing. Uh-huh. That there's hundreds of bases, and they're not secret. They're... It's not that you don't know they're there, it's that they're on no records. Area 51, I guess, is one of those where for the longest time it wasn't on any list of military bases or anything. Interesting. But but if somebody said, well, there's a military base there, they would be like, yeah, we have a military base there. Right, we see it. We drive yeah. by it. Yeah, so the military wouldn't deny it, but they didn't keep records of it as one of their bases forever. And there's supposed to be, like, hundreds and thousands of them in the U.S. like that. Big and small ones. Right. Huh. And yet, the only one that anyone knows would now be the worst place for any kind of secret anything, because everyone knows. <laughs> That's why the, the conspiracy now is that Area 51's the propaganda center of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> So they went from it's aliens to no, all that stuff wasn't true, but it was made up as another thing to use against people. It's almost uh -huh. like it's eating its tail. The conspiracy's yeah. eating its tail. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. All the, uh, conspiracy theories are so much fun and they're so fascinating, and but also just so silly. <laughs> yeah, I get to the point where. Most like, I read about them all the time, and I use them in stuff I write and everything, but there's sometimes oh. when I've talked to people, and I'm like, do you actually believe this? Like, I, I've looked at people before, and, like, I have relatives like that, and I'm like, I understand you want to be right, and we all believe stuff sometimes to, in our own heads to make our point right. in a way, but I'm like, you actually believe that this is the thing? <laughs> yeah, and when you don't have a ton of facts, it's easy to create an idea that then if you believe the idea that you created and made up then perhaps we have an issue that's kind of like little kids when they get caught at something and then they'll they'll get it in their head no i didn't do it i didn't do it i didn't do it right and they believe they didn't do it then yes <laughs> yeah so <laughs> all right here's another united states one um dulce base in the United States. So in 1979, American businessman Paul Benowitz became convinced that he was intercepting electronic communications from aliens outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, in a small town named Dulce. Since then, the area he discovered signal the area sorry, let me try that again. Since then, the area he discovered signals have come to be known as the Dulce base. That is a terrible sentence. Um, and it is <laughs> to be a joint government alien biogenic laboratory that carries out experiments on humans and animals. 
Yep. The upper level is controlled by the government, while the lower levels closest to the Earth are reportedly run by extraterrestrials. Because if you wanted to hide aliens, you'd stick them on the ground floor. Uh, a man by the name of Phil Schneider claimed to have helped build an entrance to the top secret base, but was later found dead in his apartment. The piano, a piano wire wrapped around his neck. So, yeah. <laughs> I, the thing, like, and it goes back to the whole conspiracy thing. I think connecting dots, and this is a little bit off from that, the subject of this one of our list. Like, I think people connecting dots with stuff is just a coping Oh, yeah. They're trying to deal with stuff they don't understand. Right. And in a way, you can understand. It's like, knowledge seeking is really good, but a lot of people, when they run into roadblocks, they don't keep going. Mm -hmm. So they stop and like, I don't know what happened. Maybe this happened. (laughs) And you make up a story and yeah. I, I, I think it's almost on the lines of well, getting back to the way kids are sometimes, like when kids tell stories and mm-hmm. then they'll they'll just go off in a, a totally weird direction and you're like, why did you go off in that direction? <laughs> it's like, because they were, they were trying to go in a certain way, but they didn't have the knowledge to go in that way. So they just took it really weird. <laughs> yeah, did their own thing. Well, and you could make the argument for religions just being nothing more than that and mythology and all of that. Like, you know, we can see this happening, but we don't understand why. So we're going to take the facts that we have and invent something that will make it make sense. And that's what happened here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like religions based, like they say about the going back to Campbell and stuff, and they say religions based on a concept of it rained explain mm-hmm. why it rained and why it didn't rain tomorrow oh it was god's because we don't understand right right yeah, yeah. and and the well, government's basically modern in modern living the government has become like the explanation for everything good and bad yes when it's yeah. not <laughs> even though we want it to be the great evil it, i mean it's what we make it be more than anything else yeah well and it it's big and it's powerful and that's scary but um but yeah it's just the the excuse i feel like i feel like a businessman in 1979 is probably not qualified to decide that um some random electronic communication is from aliens (laughs) but um i appreciate the fact that he now knows exactly, or somebody now knows exactly what is going on in this building and who works on which floor. It's really important. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird at times when we look at, like, somebody who who says stuff. I mean, if you watch any of the History Channel shows, I don't know if you ever watched the Alien shows or anything on there. No, so we don't actually do the cable thing here anymore. Uh, so I watch Netflix. Yeah, we... <laughs> We don't really either, but we used to watch, like, the History Channel a lot, and they'd have the alien shows. And they would always have a guy on there, and he'd be talking as an expert. And then when they would ever have anybody question him, they would be like, oh, what's your degree in? And he's like, well, I don't have one. Right, right. And, and it's well, like, well, I don't want, yeah, you don't want to call somebody stupid or anything like that, but it's like, I don't understand how a lot of stuff works. Right. Heck, heck, I look at big planes in the air sometimes. I'm thinking, like, how's that stay up there? Right. That's not real. <laughs> but I, I trust in people who do know that. Right. Right. And, yeah. And, yes, people keep secrets. And, yes, there are probably all kinds of things that, that people know that we don't know that they know. 
however. Yeah, I mean... This for, one was silly. For good or bad. Yeah, I thought this one was kind of mild compared to the other ones. It was kind of like... The other ones were more interesting. Yeah, this that one was just sort of silly. It was like, we're not going to put Area 51 on this list because everybody knows about it, so let's just find another more ridiculous Area 51 and put that on the list. Yeah. Um, so this next one is actually one that I did quite a bit of research into because... It is our most recent, well, by the time this comes out, it will be our most recent episode of Crime Crazy. This is one of the stories that I told. Cool. So, and then we did a, a big shout out to Shortlisted on that episode too. So, just tying everything together. <laughs> um, but one of the most restricted places on the planet, um, the Queen's Bedroom in Great Britain, which... <laughs> <laughs> seems like it should go without saying. However, um, in 1982, a man by the name of Michael Fagan scaled the Buckingham Palace's 14-foot-high perimeter wall, despite it being adored, it says adored, but it means adorned, with revolving spikes and barbed wire. He climbed up a drain pipe and he wandered into the queen's bedroom in the early morning hours. He triggered alarms, but they were faulty. And then he sat on the edge of her bed while she slept and drank a cup of tea. Since the incident, security at the palace has been ramped up and the queen's bedroom perimeter is outfitted with sophisticated alarms, motion sensors, and around the clock security guard presence. So um, this is not actually completely accurate as far as the story goes. Um, it is true that in 82, it was in July, Fagan went up into Buckingham Palace and managed to find his way into, like, the living areas and went into the Queen's bedroom. He did climb, climb a drain pipe to get there, um, and he did trigger alarms. The alarms weren't actually faulty. The police shut them off. They assumed that it was a false alarm, and they turned them off. Um, he went into her room. He originally told people that he did sit on the edge of her bed and watch her sleep. And it, that then later he was like, yeah, no, that's not really what happened. Like her version of events is really what happened, which is that as soon as he moved the curtain around her bed, she woke up and like freaked out and ran out of the room to go get help. Um, she apparently actually tried to use her phone to call like the palace switchboard a couple of times and nobody came to help her. So yeah. that's kind of a problem. Um, and then it says, you know, security has been ramped up since then. And it definitely has, um, the round the clock security guard was already a thing, but it just so happened that Fagan sort of lucked out because the guard that had been there all night his shift was over, and he did not wait for the replacement guard to get there, and the replacement guard was apparently running late. And so there was this little bit of, like, overlap time where there was nobody there when there was scheduled to be somebody there guarding her room. So, um, and then the other interesting thing that I found out about this one was this, according to Fagan, and he's really the only one that could tell the story. Oh, and he's also just absolutely out of his mind nuts. But according to him, this was his second break-in, and he had actually broken in the month before, 
and had even been seen by one of the um, the mates. He had climbed through her bedroom window to get in that time. Um, but since they couldn't find him, when, like, she went and got help, and when they got there, he was gone. So they assumed that she was mistaken and had just been seeing things or whatever. And that time he tripped alarms, too. And once again, the, the guards and the police in the palace were like, oh, well, there's no way that somebody broke in, like we have these big fences, and so they just turned off the alarms. <laughs> it makes you think, what does the queen do? Go around setting off the alarms to the point where people don't believe them? <laughs> right. Well, all I can figure is there are probably a lot of people in the building at any given time, and so they probably do set off a lot of alarms, and it gets a little tiring and whatever else, but... That's your biggest tar- that's probably the biggest target in the UK. Like you still, uh, you would think they would still just go every time. <laughs> right, right. At least, at least send somebody to look. I, something. <laughs> so um, the really interesting thing about this is all the security and everything being beefed up came after this incident, but it came a lot after this incident. At the time, this was not considered a criminal act. And so when they arrested him, the only criminal charges that they could bring against him were for stealing some wine. Um, and they actually let him off because he ended up going to like a psych ward for six months or something like that. Um, and it only was, I think, 2005 when it became actually criminal to break into the queen's bedroom. <laughs> so between 82 and 2005, it could be done and, and we could have done it and it would be not allowed, but not illegal. Yeah, that, that seems weird that it wasn't like a crime. <laughs> right. Especially, especially royalty, you would think there would be really old laws about stuff like that. Right. So they could bring civil charges against him, but not criminal charges, hmm. um, which they did, but they ended up dropping everything. His mother said that, you know, she wasn't 100% surprised that he had done this because he was apparently obsessed with Queen Elizabeth and um, also, like, out of touch with reality to the point where she, he was, at the time, like, newly out of a job and newly separated from his wife and children. And she's like, I could see him going there wanting to just talk this over with his idol. Like, he probably thought, well, I'm going to go in and sit down with her and tell her my problems and she's going to fix them. So, pretty yeah. much nuts. <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think is maybe where those buildings are so old that maybe they're easier to break into, in a way, or something. Like, yeah. Um... Uh, well, it sounds like this one wasn't really, you know, retrofitted with better security until much later. So, sure. Hmm. I would think so. Um, but, yeah. The second time, this time that they're talking about, he came in through the roof. So, he actually climbed the drain pipe all the way up to the roof. And then went in through some sort of access point up there. You know what that reminds me of? Remember a few years ago? I, I think it may have been. I don't know where it was when Bush Jr. was in office or Obama's first time. But the guys mm-hmm. flew the, the small plane, I think, at the White House. And technically, mm-hmm. at, at that time, there was no law against that type of vehicle being flown over the White House, even though, right. like, you know, regular planes can't fly over the White House. So, like, right. I, I, but they just the law hadn't caught up. Yeah, they hadn't, like, they couldn't even get him on all the charges you would normally for something like that. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of that. that that's the case with, like, computer crimes and things where 
technology just goes so much faster than laws could possibly keep up with. And so there are things that you can do that should be illegal. Everybody knows they should be illegal, but they're not. Yeah, I mean, people, and then you have people who are like, well, that's a crime now. Why didn't those people go to jail? And it's like, because it's a crime now, you can't retroly go. Right. You can't, you can't grandfather in people quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there was also not too long ago, I'm saying not too long ago, it was probably a couple of years ago, where somebody hit the White House with a, a drone. Yes. That's what I thought you were talking about at first, no, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, they hit it with a drone or something like that, and at that time, drones weren't even, like, classified by law as being illegal to do that type of stuff with. Well, it's only been a couple of years since, or maybe even not that long, that you've had to register them. Yeah, they're so... As, like, flying Yeah, I think they have to be, like, so big. Like, yeah, but it's not very... No. It's it, They're still tiny little toys, but I mean, yeah. I mean, drones are not a new thing. They're basically model airplanes in a lot of ways. Right, yeah, right. Like, so, like, they used to fly these things at parks and stuff all the time, and now they're considered, like, you know, they use them for warfare and stuff. Right. Well, lots of cool things, though. Um, there are some schools that have some really awesome drone programs where you can get your drone pilot's license. Um, and they do things like flyovers at weddings and they do home inspections and they fly up on like wind turbines and, and do the inspections up there so that nobody has to climb and yeah. they have all, there are all kinds of things you can do. Yeah, I have friends that make independent short films and they use them for camera. Like, oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like overhead camera angles that would cost them a fortune to do and stuff like that. They use drones for that because you can put like a GoPro on it pretty cheaply. Yeah, and, and get good quality, you know, all of all of our technology now is just it's cheap and it's a good quality and that's so cool we got a couple of those smaller ones that are like uh about the size of a cell phone yeah and drones i can't fly it where crap i hit the wall all the time and stuff. <laughs> yeah my nephew got one for christmas he's a teenager and um it had a vr headset with it so you could put on the headset and put your cell phone in it and then you would be watching through the drone's camera and so you could fly it around that way, and it looked like you were actually flying, like you were in it. And that was that was pretty cool. I He thought that it made it, and it seemed to make it a whole lot easier to fly that way, because then it's more flying by feel instead of looking at a little screen or looking at something in the air and trying to get it to do what you want it to do. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't even try it, because I knew I'd embarrass myself or break it, and I didn't <laughs> want it. <laughs> so, but... So, so that was the one that I had chosen. That was my favorite on this list. So, yeah. <laughs> as if you couldn't guess. The queen's bedroom. The queen's bedroom. Mostly because it was a crime. Um, all right. Bohemian Grove. Every summer for around 150 years, the secretive California campground hosts a gathering of the most powerful men in the world. Past presidents such as Richard Nixon and Herbert Hoover have attended. Women are not allowed. Private meetings at this retreat were directly responsible for the Manhattan Project and the project that led to the development of the atomic bomb. Yeah, this is one of those uh, things that fall under, like, there's several places, like, they consider the uh, Illuminati or the Secret Society meeting places and stuff. Yeah. I think this falls under one of those that a lot of people does. Mm hmm So is it just that it has enough security that they're willing to do this, and since it has the security, they don't allow people in? Yeah, I mean, like, the 
Summit areas where they have that, and uh, there's a number of other ones where, like, anytime you get world leaders together and yeah. they're t- talking and it's not in public, of course they're doing a lot of conspiracy theory things, but they're also doing other things. When the truth is, like, like most of the big discussions about, like, war and stuff probably happen on a couch somewhere or something like that. Right. You know, like, or in a, a boring meeting room, like the Situation Room or something like that. Right. And not some clandestine, like, thing. Right. Well, I, this one just seems interesting to me because it's another just, there's nothing special necessarily about the location. Mm-mm. It's just that people believe that it's been used for some, or, or it has been used for something, and we're excluded. I mean, the Oval Office, getting back to the White House, there's people that think the Oval Office, the way it, the shape of it, and everything else, it, it creates, like, an, a mystical energy. And, like, uh-huh. it, yeah, yeah, a lot of people think that about the Oval Office. So, I think, like, it's almost like you take something that's almost boring or plain, right. but then you add a reasoning to make it more interesting with very interesting people or very interesting historical events maybe taking place so that place almost becomes bigger than it probably is right you know, like every time a politician meets like somebody comes to the white house or a president goes to visit somewhere else everybody thinks it's for some big earth-shattering historical thing when most of the time all it is is a photo op right and a right. lot of these things are probably just photo ops. Like, like they meet together. Probably not that big of a deal. It's mainly the so-called pl- uh, push flesh, you know, to shake hands and say, oh, we should do this or we should do that. And really doesn't mean anything. You know, sometimes well, they'll do something really important, but most of the time they probably don't. Right. Yeah, just run of the mill. This has to be done. This, you know, we need to make this impression. We need to make this connection. I mean, kids have that with teacher lounges. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, there is nothing special about a teacher's lounge. (laughs) But kids think there is, like, something going on in there. You know, y'all got steak in there, and it's all nice. And (laughs) In my experience, it smells funny, and then they kick you out, and you have to do testing in there anyway, so... Most most teacher lounges I've ever seen's got like a broken coffee pot and a nasty old couch in it or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we didn't have any sort of teacher lounge space in the school that I taught at. Um, and they did have teacher centers at the one that I was the high school that I was most recently at um, in my like tech position, and. That even those, like, kids weren't supposed to go in them, and there were signs on the door and stuff, but they would still take them over to use for, like, small group testing, and there's nothing exciting in there. There there were no couches at all. There were some tables. People would eat food-ish. There were bathrooms, so it smelled bad. (laughs) Not not worth the hype. Mm -mm. All right. Banhoff, WikiLeaks, Sweden. So, WikiLeaks is an international... National Journalistic Organization has been publishing secret information to various governments around the world since 2006. Bonhoeff is an independent Swedish internet service provider. What do the two have in common? Well, quite a lot, as it turns out. All of WikiLeaks servers are hosted in in a Bonhoeff data center located in a top-secret secured bunker named Pinion, or, yeah, no, Pinion? Named something that starts with a P that is burrowed away <laughs> in White Mountains in Stockholm. The controversial WikiLeaks. We, yeah, we're going to have to just, you're going to edit this whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> 
The controversial WikiLinks. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) WikiLeaks, even, servers have long tried to be found by the Swedish police without any luck or cooperation from Bonhoeff. The bunker features steel doors and can withstand a nuclear attack as it was originally built to be a Cold War shelter. So that is cool. And I, well, so I say I'd like to go there just because of my like nerdy techie side, but it would just be a bunch of like refrigerators and fans and big machinery, right? It wouldn't be at all interesting in there. Yeah. Everybody thinks like computer servers at big places. Like I used to work for this big factory and they were pretty big. It was like one of the biggest factories in the area Mm -hmm. and it was electronics. So, like, we had huge servers, and they'd right. be like, oh, the server room, ooh, the server room. And, then, like, if you go in there, all it is is rows of these big black cabinets. Right. Like, metal cabinets with different, like, drives in them and stuff like that. And I worked the night shift, and whenever the servers would go down, i get a call from the IT people because they never wanted to come in and work in the middle of the night right. to go there and flip a switch and just reboot right. them. <laughs> And it was probably cold, right? Because you got to yeah. keep everything because they're running hot. And yep. yeah, it wouldn't be much to see. But it's cool that it's. <laughs> it sounds like they chose a really great place for it if they didn't want anyone to ever come in and shut them down. Yeah, I mean, like, it's with the country it's in because they don't allow, like, some of the bigger countries to bully them. Right. As much as some other places would in a lot of ways. Like, they're not going to let somebody just raid it if they want to. Right. And, like, or destroy it if they want to or whatever. And then the smart thing of taking that and taking it off a server. Because, like, I mean, you're a tech person. A lot of people have this, like, this mysterious thoughts about what the internet is when basically all it is is a bunch of computers. Right, right. So, like, like people don't understand, like, that stuff's stored on a computer somewhere. Nothing's right. actually stored up in the sky. <laughs> no, there is no such thing as the cloud. Sorry uh-huh. to blow your minds. <laughs> I've had to explain that to so many people. <laughs> I'm nervous. Actually, I used to work to work, and no one would even ask. Like, they were like, no, not going to even go there. <laughs> but, like, uh, I think it's smart, though, because a lot of people don't understand is, like, all the information that it's on a computer somewhere. That's how the people hack it. Anytime you put information right. out there, it's going on a computer somewhere. So they know that or, you're getting... Or computers. Yeah. So they know that they needed to keep these servers. And that's what we... Whether you like WikiLinks or not, what they did mm-hmm. that other people didn't do in the past is they secured that information. Mm-hmm. You know, they got an internet service provider that was basically like, we'll help you secure your information you get. So we're in a cold war, cold war shelter. We are. <laughs> yeah. So they were actually smart where other people who did similar stuff just put it on a server somewhere in a house or a warehouse or somewhere like that. And it was easily got to. Right. Easy to shut that kind of place down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think this one is really cool. I think um, I think that, yeah, it doesn't really matter how you feel about the actual content. Just the idea. Like, that's a really smart yeah, it's like when somebody does something really clever or it's criminal. If it doesn't hurt anybody, a lot of times you're like, that was smart. <laughs> uh, every once in a while, we'll do a very smart or very, like, badass criminal. And it's like, man, I know this is the bad guy, but it's just so interesting. <laughs> to talk about uh, your other podcast, that one of the things I love 
is when a, a criminal does something really stupid, like they put it on their cell phone or something like that, and Jordan just loses <laughs> her crap about it, and she's like, "You she idiot!" Gets so mad. <laughs> Yeah, you'll have yeah. to tell her it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Is when I, she gets I will mad. definitely pass that on. She could use some of that this week. It's been a rough week for her. Yeah. But or yeah, I love it because it's like okay. I'm like it with stuff. Like I'm like, why did you do that, you idiot? Right. Well, and the more that I research crime, and I, this is totally off topic, but the more I think, I don't, I don't have any desire to go out and commit crime. And I would tell on myself if I did. So I'd be a horrible criminal. But it's a really good thing that those are two of my personality traits because I know I'm smarter than all these people that I'm reading about. <laughs> you just have to watch a couple of crime dramas and you'd be smarter than these people that we're reading about. It wouldn't be, like, it just doesn't seem like it would be that hard. I don't know. Well, it's like the, the WikiLeaks thing. You, you look at it and you're thinking, why didn't somebody do that before? Right. So, we didn't quite make it this time, but that's not all bad news. We're planning on a very special episode of all the top items that we've missed. Subscribe so you don't miss that episode or any episode of Shortlisted. We hope you enjoyed this month's show. We had a blast making it, and we're grateful for all of our listeners. For all things Shortlisted, go to shortlistedpod.wordpress.com. Shortlisted is part of the Tin Pod Radio Network. For more episodes of Shortlisted and other Tin Pod projects, you can visit tinuniverse.blogspot.com. If you're a fan of Tin Pod Radio, you can show your support by donating on Tin Pod's Patreon page. We'd love to hear what you thought of our show. If you'd like to give us feedback, your thoughts on this month's list, or your idea for our next top 10, email us at shortlistedpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out Erin's other project, Crime Crazy, a weekly true crime podcast. Find her and her amazing co-host Jordan at crimecrazypodcast.com. SNMN is the Tin Pod show where three friends spend a couple of hours together eating, drinking, letting off some steam, and being best friends forever and ever. It's a mess to edit this madness, but a lot of fun to be there.